Hi, everybody. This is Charlie, and this is To Hell and Back, the podcast uh, number 42. This podcast is going to be the third in a row about uh, relationship skills that are spelled out in DBT. And uh, I'm hoping by the end of it to talk about, to use this system of relationship skills to look at um, a lot of things, uh, including how uh, looking at something we're all publicly aware of, most people, is things about uh, how our president has been asking for funding for a border wall. So um, I'll get back to that. So I also want to say, let's see, this podcast, I have to apologize <laughs> if anybody's listening. It's funny, is an apology an apology if it's in the middle of a forest? Um, is the, uh, that I didn't uh, put word of today's podcast out where I usually do, which is on Facebook and LinkedIn and the DBT listserv. Um, so, and yet it's here, so it's just hard to keep up with everything. I've been sick this week, and I think I'm just well enough now to do this. I'm kind of excited about doing this, so hopefully that'll carry me. Um, and, uh, and I wanted to tell you that I'm away next week. There won't be a podcast on uh, next week. Um, and then the following week, I will do a podcast on Wednesday, and and it'll probably be, uh, I haven't decided what it'll be, some special choice. And then uh, I'll be doing um, a three in a row, three hours in a row, uh, conversation with a woman who uh, was diagnosed uh, 25 or 30 years ago with borderline personality disorder, and she's going to... And she was treated with DBT, and now she's also been treated with other treatment. And she's going to talk about her whole course, which I think will be pretty amazing to hear about. Um, and I think inspiring in some ways. So I suggest you tune in. I'll be putting the word out about that. And finally, um, after making some requests, I've gotten more <coughs> emails from some of you giving me input about the um, podcasts, including some really fabulous suggestions so i want to thank you it's i think they're going to result in uh trying some things oh i hope these i don't don't get too much of a cough okay here we go relationship skills we're going at it again today i mean you could do this for a whole lifetime and still not cover everything you need to cover about relationship skills i mean i don't mean dbt but in general because every one of us Every one of us is so exquisitely sensitive uh, in our relationships and how, I mean, in, don't, we don't always show it. Every minute, with an un, and have a, a sort of unfathomable number of choices to make at any minute. It's kind of mind-boggling. It's like too much. It includes choices in how we interact with others. Uh, and yet, most of us are conditioned and shaped into certain patterns of interacting with others from early in our lives that we then keep doing again and again and again. And uh, it becomes our routines. And I think it helps us cope with the fact that there's an unbelievable number of possible choices. Um, and yet it can be helpful to step back from what we do step above what we do 
and take on some system or systems of how you could think about your choices interpersonally. And that's what we're going to, that's what we are doing. We're in the middle of doing. Like when I'm asked on the street, for instance, including today, because it's a daily event in my life, on Main Street in Northampton, Massachusetts, uh, for money. Uh, and, and I usually know already, uh, I don't, I don't intend to give any. Walk down the street and usually there's four or five requests between my office and where I'm going. Um, and then when I stop and think about it, I realize I could say no in ten different ways or a hundred or probably a million different ways to say no. Um, I could say no, I'd rather not. No, thank you. Uh, no, I'd, most commonly I would say in those situations, I just walk straight by and uh, don't look at the person, don't engage with them. I'm not proud of that. I feel bad when I say it. But actually, it's just a very tough situation to have that going on all the time. Uh, Take another thing that happened recently. I wanted to watch the Super Bowl with one or both of my sons, 20 and 24 years old. Um, One of them lives at home in the basement, has his own whole area. But he's staying right now at a friend's house. The other one lives in the town across the river from where I live. I asked the first one by text, something like, um, hey, do you want to come over and watch the Super Bowl here? Because I'm going to be here. And you could, you know, any friends could come and we could make food and it'd be great. And fairly quickly, he got back to me and said, no, Dad, we're going to watch it at Matt's house. And I just had to suffer a little disappointment there, a little crush. You know, it's like, oh, shit. You know, cause he, and, and then he, and noticeably he didn't say, hey, why don't you come over here? <laughs> but I didn't want to say anything further. You realize there's so many ways to go about this, and what mood you're in will dictate how you ask your son to watch the Super Bowl. What your expectations are on that given day will determine that. How aware you are of your son, how he functions, how you function with your son, what are the forces in his life are going to affect how you ask and how you respond to the answer. Um, all these different things. Then I, So I contacted my other son. Hey, do you want to come over? You could bring your girlfriend and any friends, and we could watch the Super Bowl here, okay? And uh, I'm not proving to be a very effective interpersonal skills coach for myself because he said he got back and said no we're going to go to her apartment and uh hang out with some friends no invitation back <laughs> so none of that surprised me but uh but you know you put yourself out there that is one of the challenges of interpersonal skills if you request anything you run the risk of being told no um so you can see there one of the things I was teaching last time is that when we do in, use interpersonal skills, when we make a request to somebody, when we say no to somebody, we are affected already by a lot of things other than whether we use interpersonal skills. We're affected by our mood, by our emotions, 
uh, we're affected by whether we're, we have good awareness of reality, of what's going on, and whether we accept the reality that's going on. Whether we have tools in ourselves to cope with emotions that come up. If we do, we can take more chances, for instance. Um, so all of those things matter, and then there are the skills themselves. Um, okay. You know, it's so, uh, this stuff, I'm just trying to get this point across, and it's probably already come across, so I'm sorry to be redundant. But I'm trying to get the point across that, wow, the fluidity and the choices are incredible. And therefore, you know, it really pays to try out different things and to learn a system for how to do things and then vary from it. Because DBT does have a kind of vocabulary of possibilities for how to make a request and how to say no to somebody. And it goes much further than that. Um, you know, I gave you an example last week of using some of the skills, talking about the basketball coach, Phil Jackson, and our encounter with him in Los Angeles. Um, but let's bear down on those skills further before we take go much further, because they are so fabulous. I just want you to know them, like nail them, um, for asking and saying no, because once you know them, it's sort of like, a vocabulary from which you can build many, many choices. They fall into three groups. There's a total of 15 of them as they are taught in DBT. So it's, that's, fortunately, that's a finite number, even though there's an infinite variety of how to use each one. But if you know those 15, that's pretty darn good. So the first seven are the ones associated with the word dear man, seven letters, seven uh, skills. And that's the skills that you want to use for getting your objective in a situation. Then there's four more skills associated with the word give, G-I-V-E. And that's the group for maintaining a good relationship. And then there's, the, then there's four more to the word fast, F-A-S-T, which is the group for maintaining self-respect. You know, and then there are uh, other things to know after you're good at using those that help you to fine-tune your use of those, to know when and where to use them, when and where not to use them, how intensely to use them, when to let go and when to push forward, sort of a, a lot of cool things to learn. So we're going to get to some of those, and, and might possibly not today. Um, so let me give you an example to go back over them. Here's a quick, quickie example. I'm going to give you probably a couple examples here. Um, I wanted to go to lunch with a friend. <laughs> just realized, you know, I, in talking to you guys, I just realized I'm always putting out there things like, I want my kids to come over and watch the Super Bowl. I want the other one to come over and watch the Super Bowl. And now you're going to hear another one. I want to have lunch with a friend. I, I sound, uh, I don't know how I sound, <laughs> but I'm being a little judgmental of myself. Um, I wanted to go to lunch with a friend. And he had, in the past, we'd gone to lunch sometimes, dinner sometimes, had coffee sometimes. And, um, and the last few times, he's been bringing his partner, his, they're not married, but his girlfriend, who lives with him, 
They're very close. And I don't know what the politics are there. I don't know if, uh, if it's because she doesn't want to be left out or he wants to include her. I don't know if it's a big deal or a small deal. I don't know. But I just found I didn't want that. I mean, at least this time, I just liked her all right. But I wanted to ask for just to be with him. And maybe you've been in that situation. It's an awkward one. You know, you just don't know who's going to be, whose feathers are going to be ruffled by that. And so, you know, most typically, probably most of us, most of the time, just avoid that and just hope that they won't bring the other person. Um, so I wanted to ask her that. I knew he might be sensitive about that or defensive about that or something. And I didn't want to hurt his feelings. I didn't want to alienate him. Um, and I figured that, you know, um, the priorities, I had to think first, because this is the first step in this, right? What priorities matter to me most about this situation? If I'm going to ask him this and figure out the best way to ask him, what are the priorities that matter most? Does it matter most to me to get my objective, to just have lunch with him? Okay, that's a big one. Or... Would it be that I want to maintain a good relationship with him? I don't want to put a dent in the relationship. I don't want to alienate him. I don't want to anger him. I don't want to, you know, hurt his feelings and things. Um, uh, so, uh, and get into conflict with him about it. So that would be another priority. And another priority would be to preserve my self-respect throughout the encounter, whatever that would be. And so... There you go. You start out with those three things. I've been over this before. And uh, give it some thought. And you start to consider what skills you would use once you realize what your priorities are. I would have to say in that example, my priorities were most high priority is the friendship, was the relationship. Yes, I wanted the objective. Yes, I wanted to have lunch with him alone. But not if it was going to be a big deal you know causing some trouble in our relationship uh, and I couldn't estimate what level of trouble it would be and I'd hope it wouldn't be much and I'd like to overcome that but if push came to shove I would give up the objective uh, for for maintaining a good balanced friendship um, and self-respect would be important all the way through um, but probably it would be number three so it'd probably be relationship objective and self-respect now there's the skills. So I have to ask myself the dear man skills. Remember with D-E-A-R, describe, express, assert, and reinforce. Remember those. Really commit those to memory. It really helps if you've got them in your head. Describe, express, assert, and reinforce. Um, you really usually start with reinforce and you weave reinforcement all through the encounter. So how would I reinforce this guy to be interested? Uh, the way you want to think of it is how do you want to get the person leaning towards the thing you're going to ask them to do or leaning towards being willing to accept no for an answer from you if you're asserting something by saying no. But just think of it the first way, because this is one where I was asking him something. How could I reinforce him to be interested and willing to work with me on getting to my desired outcome? D, 
describe. How is it that I would describe the situation um, that was objectively true, factual, without getting into judgments, without getting into too much emotion or anything? Just, here's the situation. Then E, express. How would I express my feelings or opinions on this matter? How, how strongly do I want to say it? What do I want to say about why this matters to me? And then A, how and what would I actually ask for? What exactly do I say? Believe it or not, um, this sounds so burdensome. Um, and so if you've got all these skills naturally, of course it's burdensome to even go over them. If you don't have all these naturally, or if there are certain situations that are challenging, it can really help to go over these and think about it and even think about it in advance. Now that's DEAR, D-E-A-R. Now there's M-A-N. M is called mindfulness. It's, it's making your request or saying no and remaining mindful in doing so, which basically just means staying on track, staying focused, staying with what you're asking for, uh, even if there's distractions, even if there's sensitivity, even if you get attacked or something by the other person. I don't mean physically. Um, and the idea is how do you stay, stay on track and ignore those attacks and just get back to restating what it is you want and sort of staying in, an, in a center lane, so to speak, rather than getting into any extremes, defensiveness or, or, or attacking. And then there's the A, appearance or appear. How do you want to appear? Well, you want to appear um, confident, uh, somewhat poised. You want to appear, usually, you want to appear, um, you know, making good eye contact and having decent sort of stance in relation to other person, non-verbals. And the last one is N, which is the willingness to negotiate. So you want to be able to be ready to negotiate or consider maybe in advance, are you willing to negotiate and how much would you be? That would be the dear man, right? Then if you add in the give skills, why would you ever add in the give skills? You'd add them in because this is a case in which actually the relationship matters quite a lot to you and you want to have a good relationship. And so these are kind of compassionate, accepting kind of skills that soften your dear man request. And so they are give. G is for gentle. So you, you use it sort of a gentle style. You don't get all riled up. You don't get attacking. You don't get too reactive. You're just kind of like, it doesn't mean you're being overly gentle, but it means you're going in that direction. The I is for interested. You're going to show that you're interested in this person. Makes such a huge difference. You're interested in his point of view. I'm going to have to show him I'm interested in his, his experience of what I'm asking, his views, his perspective. The more I can include him in that, the more it'll feel like whatever is the outcome, you know, I've proceeded through this as a relationship, not just dragging him through something or demanding something of him. And the V is to validate him. So let's say he feels sensitive. Let's say he feels defensive. Let's say he feels annoyed. 
that I would make such a request that we have lunch together. Maybe he thinks it's kind of fussy. I could validate him for that rather than attack him for it or, or be defensive myself. I could say, I'm, you know, of course you feel that way. I could see that you would feel that way. And I might want to learn more about what his feelings are. And the E is for an easy manner, which is a little bit like the gentle part at the beginning of the give skills, which is to use a kind of an easy, soft sell rather than a hard sell kind of approach. So, the give skills, very great. And you don't have to use them just in the context of dear man, give, because you can use the give skills anytime to enhance your relationships. And the last four skills, for keeping your self-respect are the fast skills. So I've got to find a way to be fair with him. If I want to uh, feel like I'm being fair, which is a value and which is something that usually makes a person feel better about themselves, to that they're being fair, fair to him, fair to me, fair to his partner. Um, then there's the A for apologize. So the idea is, you know, feel free to apologize if you're pushing somebody, you know, to agree to something. Um, but don't apologize excessively. If you start going overboard with apologies, it can really lower your self-respect. S, stick to your values. In this case, my values would probably be that, I'm, that I, was, I would want to be direct with him. I place a value on that. I place a value on being courageous. I place a value on being transparent and open. I place a value on being compassionate with him um, and ethical and, 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 and having some code of conduct that I would be proud of. And T is truthful. To be honest and truthful, I'm more likely to feel good about myself and increase my self-respect instead of to drop it. So let me, uh, let me try to say, with all of this in mind, how I might uh, put this together. Um, I might say to my friend, hey, um, I want to talk to you about something. Um, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Do you have a minute? Yeah, okay. So already, do you have a minute? Suggests I'm interested in him. I'm validating him that he might not have time. And, uh, and, and I'm being kind of soft sell already here. And I'm trying to be reinforcing of him to be interested in hearing what I have to say rather than just coming up and saying, here's what I want. So starting out with a way that's kind of reinforcing and reinforcing of the other person being interested. So I might say, you know, you know how we're going to be having lunch on Saturday? Um, I'm really looking forward to it. I always like to see you. It's really always fun. Um, so that's, again, reinforcement. So I'm still in the R. Uh, now I'm going to move into a D, um, a describe. Um, and you know how we've, uh, how we've, when we get together, at least in recent times, I don't know if you've noticed this, but you, you know, usually Lisa comes along with you and joins us, and I really like her, and you guys make a great couple and everything, but... You know, I also kind of wish that I, I start having the feeling that I'd like to just spend time with you. So here's the D. Here's the situation. I want to have lunch with you. 
uh, Lisa usually comes along. I like her. Uh, but actually, I, I sometimes feel like I'd just like us to have some time like we have had in the past. So I might say a lot to him, and that would be more my E, my expressing my feelings or opinion. And then I might move right on to the uh, A, in which I might say, so I don't know if this works for you. Now that's showing my interest in him and my validation of his of his point of view. I don't know if that works for you, but I wonder if this time just you and I could have lunch. You know, let me know if that's a problem. Again, I'm using relationship skills, the give skills, uh, while I'm and I'm being upfront with him, which is which is my fast skills, my self-respect skills, um, and I'm and I'm asking him. So I'm at the end of my dear man, and I have stayed on track. And let's say he got uh, sensitive, or which is common. I'm sure you know what I mean. Many of you in situations like this. Um, but it's just so valuable to have an idea of the steps um, for asking, you know, what they can be. So you can really think about it in advance and you can um, uh, do something with it. Um, so I thought it'd be good to go over that just so you've got uh, an example of that. And realize as I went over that how many, many, many different ways it could have been at every single step. Um, let me talk about the different steps because I want to make some teaching points about these different steps. Reinforcement is just huge. I said this once or one or two times ago in the podcast, and I want to expand on it. You know, if you don't have reinforcement working, if you don't have some way of dealing with the other person where you're going to reinforce this, the, the response that you desire, or, or at least their willingness to consider it, I mean, you really don't have much energy going. It's like trying to run an engine, but there's no motor or there's no gas. It's just not going to go anywhere. You've got to get movement in a way by reinforcing the other person, by saying, it's so good to see you, or I'm looking forward to seeing you, or I really like this about you, or something like that. And once you have the reinforcement going, you know, sometimes that's enough to carry most of the day. Then you just sort of like follow from that. Just make sure that you start out with some reinforcement. And then it gets easier because the person loosens up a little bit. Um, I'll give you an example of reinforcement. And uh, my wife one year, many years ago, she gives money for a an animal shelter in our area. And she gave money. Uh, as usual, and then they have a drawing, a raffle, and she happened to win it one year, which was pretty shocking to her because she never wins things like that in her life. At least that's what she feels. So that's probably true. And so, um, uh, but she got this fabulous prize, and the prize was two tickets to any uh, a Broadway show in Manhattan. New York City, um, two nights of staying at the Plaza Hotel at the south end of Central Park, which is extremely elegant, amazing hotel, um, and uh, two, two tickets to go around Manhattan Island in a boat where it's a tour of New York City and with a champagne and dinner. So pretty fabulous. And she took me. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, 
God. Anyway, I, I was going to say, I, I have this feeling I've told you this whole thing. But then somebody wrote me and said, I shouldn't worry about that. Repetition is all right. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead. Um, because here's what happened then. Uh, and here's how Dear Man and Reinforcement came to work in it. We went, well, we finally made a plan that we went to the Plaza Hotel on a, like, Friday night or something. And I went to check us in, and my wife sat in the lobby. And I stood in line, about third in line, waiting for the person at the check-in desk. And while I was waiting, and it was moving a little slowly, there was a man who passed by me and went up to the counter and started practically, he was like a bully. And he went up there and said, I want to see the manager. And he was very pushy. And he went up there and pushed his way up to seeing the uh, supervisor, who then quickly checked him in. He just didn't want to have to wait. So that's a certain interpersonal skill. Um, but I didn't. that's not within my repertoire very easily. I would be a total phony if I tried to do that, and it would be outside my values, and it would lower my self-respect if I did that. So I waited in line. And I, but I thought, oh, what a cool chance to practice interpersonal skills. Yeah, I'm sure I told you that. Anyway, so I, uh, I, so I, um, I get up to the counter and I've watched the clerk, the woman, whatever you call the person, the assistant, whatever's their title. Um, <laughs> I asked, I, I went up, and what my goal was was to get a really good room. Because I had the thought, we're we're raffle people, you know, we're, we're riffraff. We're not the usual person that comes to the Plaza Hotel. And so um, I want us to get a really good room. I'm afraid, oh, we're raffle people, we'll probably just get a crummy room. Now, not that they have crummy rooms, but I wanted to really shoot high. Shoot high. So I go up to this woman, I, after watching her for a while, I... I don't know why I would have thought this, but just from watching her for a while, I, I sort of thought, okay, I know how I'm going to approach her. And that was what the R is. Sometimes you really have to think or pay attention or just be tuned in to somebody else to know what is going to reinforce them. So I went up to her and I thought, you know, she, she, worked, she probably gets a relatively low wage and yet she's facing people all day, every day that are very rich and some of the which are very demanding and entitled. And I thought, okay, I'm going to bond with her around that. So I go up and I said, uh, I just wanted to ask you, you know, I'm checking in. My name is such and such. And, you know, the reason we're here, my wife and I, is that she gives money to an animal shelter. And um, they did a raffle this year and she got the prize. And the prize was to come here. And we are so excited. We never in a million years would have come here to this incredible place. And we're so, we so much want to have a good time. And, you know, and my wife is off, and this is where I veered into lying, which should have lowered my self-respect a little, but actually I was kind of proud of how I handled it. So it shows how complicated self-respect is. Because I lied at this point. I said, you know, my wife is off parking the car because the, park, the, the cost for parking here at the plaza is unbel, unbelievably high for what we're used to, so she's finding another parking garage. And meanwhile, I want to check in, and I just want to ask you this, and I, I know it probably isn't possible, because you're probably totally booked all the time, and 
you know, we just won. We're here because of a raffle. But I just wondered if there's any chance of the different rooms that you've got. For my wife's sake, she's never been to a place like this, which is another lie. Um, no, it's not usual. Uh, if if you could just give us a special room, like a really cool room, a real upscale room or something. She looked down at her computer and then she looked up at me and she winked and I knew, oh my God, I felt like this is fantastic. She winked at me and said, let's get your wife a great room. I thought, yes. I mean, that's when you know that you have found the right reinforcer. Like she's working with me on my request. It's just ridiculous. I mean, it's really great. I mean, it's the way the world works when it goes smoothly, you know, and when you have these kind of skills. And uh, and she gave us a great room that was pretty high up in the building. And uh, my wife actually was just sitting over in the lobby waiting for me. I'm glad she didn't come up. It would have betrayed my lie right then. But that's a good example of how an R is really important. And then you followed... I did a description, didn't I? I I did a reinforce, and then I did describe. I described the situation of winning the raffle and blah, 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 and how it would matter a lot to us, and it's a very special thing. So that's the E, express my feelings and opinions. See, you really want to have a good describe as a kind of an objective moment in your transaction. You, You just want to lay out the moment it's it's i don't know all of why it seems that important but i am struck after all the years of using and teaching these that that's a really important moment just a very brief accurate description of what it is that's in the background leading you to make this request so you just might be one sentence it could be three sentences sometimes it's complicated so you have to say a little more but you just want to encapsulate it and it's sort of um, you're you're not demanding anything at that point you're not asking anything you're not pushing anybody you've used reinforcement so they're interested in hearing and they hear that and now you move into something that's a little more emotional because now you shift imperceptibly from describing to then saying why it matters to you say oh and it would make it would be so great if my wife could get a great room you know, and uh, and so at that point, you're shifting over, and there's so many ways to say this. It's like, you know, it depends on the situation, but but you can you want to find something. And why is that so important? It's important because it shows that it matters to you. And if you don't show that it matters to you with your feelings or opinions, then the person might be less motivated to go along with you. So you do that, and that's the uh, E. Now you get to A, and the A is also, each of these steps is really important, and there's millions of ways to do them. But the A, you really want to get as concise, focused, and specific as possible. Because if you give too broad a request, you're less likely, probably, on average, to get what you want. There's too many ways to not give you exactly what you want unless you say exactly what you want. If you say exactly what you want in many situations, it puts a little pressure on the other person because you're not just sort of like being vague. So if I, I'm trying to think, if I had just said, you know, we'd love a really nice room, um, I'm sure the person thinks, well, every one of our rooms is really nice. 
So I asked her something a little more specific, which is that, that implies that among the rooms you have, there's probably ones that are more special than others, and we want one of those. And so it's a little bit more specific, and I could give a lot more examples, but I just want you to know that point, that the, if you want to be really effective, you put it on the line, and sometimes then you back off from it a little bit, but you make it clear what you want. Um, then comes M, the mind, being mindful, being staying on track, broken record, etc. That's really important too, um, because it's really easy once you get underway in a dear man, it's really easy to get derailed. You go in and say, you know, I wish you would uh, now and then. Could you give me a compliment about how I look? And then. Um, uh, and then the person acts like you're asking for the moon. You're, why, why are you are you saying there's something wrong with how I usually interact with you? No, that's not what I mean to be saying. So you just want to sort of stay on track and say, no, no, you're you're wonderful. It's just that, you know, and I don't know that I look that great, but it would be nice to get a compliment once in a while. And I'd be glad to give you one. That's a reinforcer. And I hope I give you plenty of compliments. Um, but it's like um, it's staying on track when there's a real opportunity to fall off the uh, off the dear man into uh, spite or revenge or disappointment or annoyance or irritability or defensiveness or all of these things that get us off track. So you just want to keep returning like a broken record to the same request again. The A, appearing confident, and then and negotiate. You know, it really helps if in the back pocket, in your back pocket, in your knowledge of this interaction, you might be willing to negotiate. Like, what if she had come back and said, oh, God, I'd really love to give your wife a great room. All of our blah, blah, blahs are filled now, but I wonder if 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 I gave you such and such a room, which is one of our standard rooms tonight, there is one tomorrow night uh, that's really wonderful. Um, I might say, yeah, you know what, let's go for that. I might be willing to do that just to get some of what I want because I wasn't sure I'd get any of what I want to begin with. So the willingness to negotiate can affect the entire encounter. All right. Now, I want to do something that's a little different in talking about these. I think we all know... How do I know that we all know? I don't know that we all know what I'm about to say. But I think a lot of us know that Donald Trump, the president, has been requesting, he's been placing a request for a long time to our Congress. And, uh, and, he, and his request is that um, the Congress uh, vote for uh, funding for a wall a security wall at the border between the United States and Mexico. And we all know it was a huge part of his campaign. It was a, something they said in every rally, and they build the wall, build the wall, and Mexico's going to pay for it. And so I tell you the truth, <coughs> watching this unfold over time, I have no idea how much he actually cares about it personally. But he got himself elected which I think was quite a shock to him. And this was the biggest rallying cry, was build the wall. So it seems like he's very stuck, and he's absolutely stuck on this, and he has to build the wall. 
and and yet there's a lot of people that don't think that it makes sense to build a wall and then there's a lot of people who don't want to give him what he wants and then there's a lot of people his base that are passionate about him getting the wall and being angry at, at everybody who's trying to oppose it so i just want to look at though without getting into all the politics of it i just thought it was interesting to say let's take the dear man framework and take a look at his request and see what we think of what his options are uh, and how it's going. So I think I think when I look through it um, that we're going to find that there are some real problems uh, or just sort of deficits, just some areas of weakness in um, using dear man in how he's making his request. And that, that may or may not be part of why it's a problem that he's not seeming to succeed, but uh, it might contribute to it. So what does he use as his R? Uh, how does he try to reinforce people to be interested? And that's already a complicated question because there's his base, and he doesn't need by this point to have much of an R. They are with him. Um, they are with him like soldiers. Um, and and they're with him because uh, of their perceptions that he's uh, for them, and he's there for them, and that somehow, even though he's a billionaire, he's somehow like them. And uh, that he pokes uh, a finger in the eye of the establishment and things like that. Um, so, but I do think there's a problem with the R he uses if you're if he's trying to reinforce anyone outside his base to support this. And the problem for him has been he has to get people outside his base to support this if he's going to get support in Congress. There haven't been enough, and in the country, the majority of people don't think we need a wall. So what does he do to try to make his point? Well, he tries to get people to think that they have to have a wall. He tries to get people to think that he is really smart. He's smarter than his generals. He's smarter than the people at the border. And that he, is, and that he knows what he's talking about. And he's a great wall builder because he was a real estate developer. And there's all these things that all have to do with making America great and that all seems to be interrelated with considering himself to be great. And so some people might move towards helping him out because he convinces them he's great or that America's great or that he's going to make it great. Maybe that would work with some, but it seems like that's a problem, that he's not really reinforcing people by anticipating actually what would reinforce them, which would require a little bit of work. Um, you know, it might be, how would you reinforce? Uh, you know, you might have a little bit softer sell and say, I, I, you know, I, 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 would, I would love to figure out, my friends, uh, if you would join me, it would mean a lot to me in moving forward and, and in securing our borders. I think we all agree on that. And I think we all agree that, you know, that while it's not clear how bad it is, that a fair number of people and, and stuff comes up through Mexico, and that's a border that probably is more challenging than our border in Canada. In other words, I think he'd have to stay with a softer cell about that. And, um, you know, because my border patrol agents are describe a situation where, which uh, even, even if it hasn't gotten worse and worse and worse, it's still pretty porous at our border not sure that's what we want for our border so you know we all value immigrants 
So we want to define how immigrants can come in the country. Now, he does some of that already, but I think he'd have to figure out a better R. Then it's the D, describe. And I think the big problem with his describe is that uh, it's important with describing, or it works best, if you're describing facts accurately. And he keeps describing things that, not that I'm at the uh, border with Mexico and that I know the facts, but it does seem from what, you know, if you read a lot of different input from different places, um, that, you know, actually, um, uh, it isn't getting worse over the years. It's actually better than it used to be. And it isn't that most people who, that, mo- that immigrants commit a lot more crimes than people who are native born in the United States. They actually commit statistically less crimes. Um, so there's just a lot of factual questions, and, and it isn't necessary, and it isn't that drugs are pouring through the parts of the border that are porous. They mainly go through ports, uh, through vehicles and, uh, boats and, uh, and planes and stuff like that. So there's a lot of non-factual stuff, and it knocks down the credibility of his argument. So not only is he use a reinforcer that probably wouldn't work that well for a lot of the people that he's talking to that he needs to win over, but also his describe is not is not relying on accurate. It includes some judgments in it, and it includes some distortions in it. Then there's the E. How does he do that? You know, how does he express his opinion about this? I think the prob- there's a problem here, too. And he's expressing his opinion in a way that's so urgent. Uh, he's saying there's a, a crisis. There's a dangerous situation. We've got to do something about it right now, and it has to happen, and we all know it has to happen. There's a kind of an urgency and an intensity about it that seems like it's not a good match for what's actually the situation. So if he could tone that down, he might be better off, and he might win over some more supporters if he, if he didn't come across as so bombastic like that. I'm not saying he can change these things or that he would want to, and I'm not even saying I'm right. But just from the point of view of looking at interpersonal skills in DBT, that I think is one way it would look. Then there's the A, right? Everybody getting this? Describe, express, ask in this case, or assert. And this is the type of assert that is an ask. So he's not just asking for their support. He's demanding their support. And it goes along with the E, how urgent things are. And the D, how he's distorting things to make them sound urgent. Uh, and the R, that, that he's great and that this has to happen now and that he knows better than everybody else. So this things all kind of line up. Um, and the, it sort of causes a distortion in each of these first four skills because the A is supposed to be an ask. An ask can be done with more or less intensity. But, you know, if you don't have most people on your side, and you ask with this level of intensity, with false facts, it's just going to get you in trouble. I mean, it's not going to work out very well, and that seems to be what's happening. What about M? Staying on track, staying focused. This is a big problem, I think, because it does seem like every week or every few weeks and sometimes even every few days, there's a different statement about what he's asking for. So he doesn't stay focused. If he had stayed focused from the very, very beginning and said, I want this kind of wall, and then maybe changed it once to, okay, now that we've looked more carefully at the wall, 
we a technologically sophisticated wall that meets a lot of different purposes would be such and such, and then stick with that. But instead, it keeps coming up as different, different, different. He keeps changing what he names it. He even said he would name it Peaches if it was necessary, or name it whatever the Democrats want to name it, or name it a barrier or a border fence or a wall or fencing or steel flats or something. It's sort of confusing, and it and it makes for a less good argument. It's less specific, and it's less focused, and he stays less on track. Um, appearing confident, he sort of appears overconfident. I mean, he's not... He's playing his hand, I guess, like if you were playing poker, and I don't play poker, so please forgive me if I get this wrong, but let's say you don't have anything much in your hands, like you just have a bunch of stray cards that, that don't form any kind of great um, hand, and yet you play like you absolutely have a fantastic hand, you get everybody to believe that, thinking they're all just going to bow out. But actually, they already know something about your hand. They know something about the facts. They know they've, there's media that are reporting other things. So very problematic um, for him to appear so overconfident. And the N is the willingness to negotiate. And he has gotten himself into a situation where he seems uh, completely unwilling to negotiate. I'm not saying he's the only one because other people are too, but right now we're looking at his interpersonal skill set and what might be better. Um, I think he can do better. Even in this political situation, I think he could, if he really studied DBT, um, <laughs> I'm sure that's just, that's just what he wants to do. Donald Trump wants to study DBT. Um, so I'm sure that if he, if he really took it seriously and he was open to changes, uh, a lot of ifs there, um, that actually he could do a lot better job of asking for support for this wall from people who he needs to get it from in order to get it to happen. Because he's certainly not going to lose his base completely if it comes down to a vote on whether we have a wall or not. They're all going to be for it. So see what I mean? Even when you're thinking about making a request or saying no, you have to be thinking about your specific audience. This is a very complicated audience because it's made up of... Uh, tens or hundreds of millions of people. Um, most of the time, it's a one-on-one -on -one interaction. But even there, it's complicated. Because you have to know not only who the person is, but is this a good time to ask them? You have to know not only who the person is, but do you have a right to ask for what you're asking? Or are you actually going beyond what your rights are given your relationship to this person in society or in an organization? You not only have to know who the person is you're asking, but also whether there's an authority relationship between the two of you that makes this ridiculous. You know, like you're asking your boss to clean your office. Something like that. Um, where the authority relationship between you goes against what you're asking. So all the, there's all these things, and there's others too. There's yeah, is it good timing to ask this? Sometimes you, if you ask at the wrong time, you see somebody's in a terrible mood or something bad has happened, and you decide, oh, I'm going to go ask anyway. Well, you just, probably your chances of succeeding just dropped significantly. 
and you didn't uh, pay attention to that, and you didn't use good timing. And sometimes it's that people aren't good at these kind of things. Some people just seem to know when to ask, with what tone of voice to ask, with what the authority relationship is, with whether you have a right to ask, whether it's appropriate in the relationship that you're making this request, whether you've gotten prepared to make this request, or whether you're just kind of flying by the seat of your pants at the moment, in which case there's a good chance you're going to run into a problem. Um, There are these things, and in DBT, there are 10 of them. So you may know your interpersonal skills, dear man, give fast, and get pretty nimble at combining them and using them in search of your priorities. But then you need to know these other things, which are all the modifiers, the things that, you know, make you more or less likely to succeed. And therefore, if you know them also, which most, I don't know if most, many people know these things automatically because they were lucky enough to grow up in a situation where they were modeled, they were taught, and you just, you've got it. But a lot of people don't. And they have bad timing and they misread situations. So if you can get a list of 10 things to ask yourself, about an upcoming encounter with somebody, the things I was saying, is this request appropriate to the relationship, for instance? Like, let's say you're somebody who wants to get married. You've been wanting to get married for a very long time. Let's say you're a a man that you want to get married, and you're very lonely, and you don't have skills, and maybe you kind of really have a lot of trouble. And you go to a pharmacy to buy something, And while you're buying it, you encounter someone across the counter, a young woman who is the cashier there, right? That's what you call it, cashier. And so you you say, oh, here, I'd like to buy this. And then they say, oh, that'll be $1.29. And you put out $1.50. And then they give you 11 cents change. (laughs) And then you've been cheated, by the way, because I think it's 21 cents change. So they give you 21 cents change. And let's say that person looks at you when they give you the change and says, here's your change, have a nice day. And let's say you walk away from that. You don't have many encounters with young women. And you walk away thinking, oh my God, I want to marry her. She was nice to me. She cares about me. She asked about me. And it, and so you you start, you say, oh, I should ask these 10 things. Should I request that she marry me? And unfortunately, in a certain way, if you go through this list of things, you might come out with so many yeses that you think, yes, definitely it's time to ask her. Because is it within your authority relationship to ask her to marry? Yes. Is it your right to ask her to marry? Yes. There's another of these factors. Is the person capable of giving what you're asking for? Let's say this person didn't have a wedding ring on and isn't married. So there's another yes. Is this a good time to ask? Well, why not? Maybe the timing isn't too bad. Maybe she seems like she's in a good mood and you're in a good mood. Um, is it, uh, another one of these is, is it within the give and take of this particular relationship to make this particular request? Or, or are you always getting things and you, and, and, uh, and she's never getting anything, so it's unbalanced? And you could say about this, no, it's totally balanced. We don't even know each other until we had this encounter about the uh, change on the dollar twenty-nine. So, um, 
and you go through all of these and you realize, yeah, this is this is uh, this really lines up. This says a lot of yeses here. It's just that there is a there is a no in one of these things you ask. One of these things is says, you know, is what you're asking appropriate to the nature of your relationship? And then you think, oh shoot, I guess not. I've never met her before. And then it's like, damn. And you realize that actually, even if one out of ten of these factors, which you can find in the DBT skills book, which I know is a turnoff for those of you who don't have that or don't have easy access to that. Uh, so I'm sorry about that. Maybe some way to remedy that. Well, I'm not going to stop right now about it. But um, but there are these ten factors to consider. And uh, that one is a killer. Is this appropriate to the relationship in this particular case? What are the ten? I'm just going to say before we stop now that I've gone this far. Is the person capable to give you what you want? That's capability, if you want to write any of these down. Second, is what you're asking um, within your priorities? If it is, It does match up with something that matters a lot to you. Third, um, in, in making this request or in saying no to somebody, is it aligned with your self-respect? I mean, are you doing something that you feel good about? Fourth, has to do with your rights. Um, do you have a right to ask for this? Um, does this person have a right to say yes? Like, let's say this was a 14-year-old. No, she doesn't have a right to say yes. And you don't really have a right to marry her. Uh, authority relationship. You know, so... Is what you're asking uh, fit within the nature of your authority relationship? Is one of you in charge of the other one, directing the person what to do in life? If so, you know, then you have to consider whether this is appropriate to that. Sixth, the relationship. Is what you're asking or saying no to, is that appropriate to the nature of the relationship? Seventh, is the thing that you're asking aligned with your long-term goals? Or is it a short-term, more impulsive kind of thing that actually is going to interfere with your longer-term goals? So if it's aligned with your longer-term goals, you know, you're more likely to give yourself a yes on this one. Then number eight, give and take or reciprocity. So is what you're asking does it fit within the give and take that you have within this relationship? Or are you asking for way more than you ever give? Um, or is it been a back and forth within which this makes complete sense? Number nine, homework. Preparation. This is, is what you're asking, have you, have you sort of thought in advance and, and gotten to know whatever you need to know to make this request effectively? If it's a yes, it's a yes. And then finally, timing. Is this a good time to ask this person this particular thing? Is this a good time to say no to this person? Or is something going on for this person or for you or for things around you that make this a particularly bad time to do it? So, you know, these are things that we usually file in our back of our brains automatically when we use our interpersonal dear man, give fast skills. Um. But uh, but there's a lot of them, um, 
and sometimes we don't pay attention to them. So it can help, especially if you find that something you're doing isn't working, or it seems over the top, or it seems like you're not getting what you want, to sort of go back over and say, wait a minute, is there some factor here that's a problem um, that I haven't been paying attention to? Okay? Now look, um, like I said at the beginning, there's, there's one more uh, fine-tuning part of this of these core interpersonal skills and we're going to go over it next time because now it's clear to me I, I, I now know what I'm going to do two weeks from now I'm going to go over these, uh, this the part that's troubleshooting like when it's not working when doing all of this isn't working well how do you figure out like a troubleshooting the part of a manual for a dishwasher about troubleshooting when it's not working like what do you check in on to figure out why it's not working? What are the categories of reasons that it's, that that your interpersonal skills are not working? Because it's a really good uh, thing to have. And finally, I'm going to talk to you some about um, uh, being dialectical in relationships. Um, what does that mean? Since dialectical is a big part of DBT, dialectical behavior therapy. So you all. Um, I'll be back. Not that you're on a time frame with me like this, but I'll be back in two weeks back on the podcast. And I hope you have a really good two weeks. And I'll talk to you then. Bye.